Hello and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Ariana Cascone, and I'm excited to be back and continuing on with our series of team previews ahead of NWSL opening weekend. I'm joined by Becky Morgan, who covers Racing Louisville and the NWSL for the Equalizer. Becky, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm excited for today's show. Me too. So on today's uh, second edition of these previews that we're recording on Monday, March 13th, we're going to tackle Racing Louisville and Angel City FC. But before we dive into that, we want to remind you about the Equalizer's flash sale that's happening now. You can get your first year of NWSL and USWNT coverage coverage for just $23. Click subscribe and enter the coupon code 23. That's the numbers 23 to get this deal. You'll have access to an entire season plus World Cup coverage and analysis for less than $2 per month. So now that that's out of the way, ready to talk Racing Louisville? I'm always ready to talk racing. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay. So thinking back to last season, racing finished 2022 in ninth place. And unfortunately, they were in the bottom half of the standings for most of the season. Do you think things will be different this year? I do. Um, I mean, last season racing, you know, they had a five, eight, nine record. And even though, you know, they were competitive in a lot of their matches, particularly in the beginning and the end of the season, they really had, you know, a major dip in the center of the season. You know, they, they have, they, they had a foundation that I do think that they can build off of. That being said, they still conceded 35 goals, only scored 23. That is the third worst goal differential in the league after Gotham and Orlando. So, there's there's tons of room for improvement, but I do think that they've taken steps to improve things. And primarily, the big thing is that racing is actually stable for the first time. They have the same coach for two consecutive years for the first time. They have stable players, and they're actually building out instead of, like, building from scratch. So, you know, they have Coach Kim returning. They've also hired Bev Yanez, who brings, you know, major NWSL experience, which is something the club did not have at all on their coaching staff. And then player-wise, you know, I don't know if everybody outside of racing realizes that last year they turned over more than 50% of their roster by midseason. And this year they've only lost Neely Martin, Gemma Bonner, Taylor Mollum, and Emily Fox. So that is like a massive retaining of players compared to what they've had before. And then who they have added, I think, are improvements. Carson Pickett, Abby Ersig, Tembi Katlana, Ari Borges, Uchenna Canoe, and Paige Monahan. So, you know, they're stable, but they've they've added the pieces that they they really needed. And in addition to that, they've already locked down core players from last year and some of the new faces this year through 2025. So for the first time, they can really start building around a core of players. And these are important players like Jalen Howell, Savannah DeMello, Katie Lund, and then Carson Pickett, it was just announced today, have all signed th- um, in Louisville through 2025. And if you're naming a who's who of racing these are the names that come up on top. You know, of course, there's like Jess McDonald's and others, but, you know, this is these are major players for the team. So the fact that they have them locked down for multiple years and can build off them is like racing taking its first step out of being an expansion team. And, you know, we still need to see how these new pieces will integrate, but I, I think they will probably be better than ninth place. I think at a minimum, they will absolutely have a better record than the 5-8-9 that they had last season. So, yeah, I I think there'll be an improvement. 
I don't think that they're automatically going to make the playoffs or anything, but I do think that um, racing fans can at least look forward to a better product on the field this season. Yeah, that's really exciting. And, you know, I didn't realize either that that racing turned over so much of their roster midseason by midseason last year. Yeah. Um, and thinking about this consistency, I mean, you're right. They totally they added these new players, but they are actually returning players that accounted for nearly 75% of their minutes played last season. So mm-hmm. they are totally building you know, towards something stable. And and I think that's a step in the right direction for sure. Absolutely. Um, So if you're thinking about these new players integrating, there's one in particular that I'm really excited to see in the NWSL and that's Uchenna Kanu um, or Kanu in an NWSL kit. So she is a Nigerian international who's racing's eighth international signing. So is that the most in the NWSL? Eight international spots? I think it might be. I think it, I think it might be. Surprise me. Yeah, so um, Canoe was acquired from Tigres of Liga MX Femenil, and she scored 20 goals in 30 appearances for Tigres. So do you think she'll be the centerpiece of racing's attack this season? Yeah, I mean, she was a great get for racing. And, you know, as we've said with that goal differential, they definitely need help in attack. Uh, They only scored 23 goals as a team last year. So, (laughs) you know, racing has really struggled to find that missing piece to bring their offense together. And, you know, of course, she's still improving in the NWSL, but she doesn't have to score 20 goals for racing. You know, if she can score six or seven for racing, that is already a huge improvement for them. I mean, if she scores 20 goals, I mean, I will be the first to, you know, be delighted. But you know, the point is, like, she can still be very good and impactful for racing without being, like, that over the top. And, you know, going back to your question, she is absolutely, I think, who racing is counting on as their attacking centerpiece. They paid a record transfer fee of over $150,000 for her, so they clearly think she was worth the investment to grab. Um, but I don't want to forget talking about Tembi Katlana, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. She's a South African star that ruptured her Achilles last season. So she's coming to racing late. But, you know, I think she's going to really add a new dimension to the attack. I'm really excited to see her. And then, of course, you know, we have Jess McDonald, who's a legend. So while I do think Canoe is going to be the centerpiece for racing, I still think that their firepower has improved overall, you know, in, in a few ways. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, hopefully there are more than 23 goals scored. That's a pretty low bar. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So if we take uh, one step back from the forwards and the attack, um, I wanted to make sure that we touch on the Louisville midfield. So ahead of last season, Jalen Howell was one of the biggest names coming out of college soccer. She won an NCAA championship with FSU and she was a Mac Herman Trophy winner. And then she actually fell in quotes right to number two overall Mm -hmm. in the NWSL draft and she came to racing and I think she was expected to sort of just fix everything that was going on with racing's midfield yes and then I think most of the midfield attention last season was actually placed on her teammate and fellow rookie Savannah DeMello who you know rightfully so she was great last season um DeMello ended up playing the most minutes of any racing player in 2022 so that's just to say that I think Howell wasn't in as much of the spotlight as I anticipated. So Mm -hmm. do you, do you expect Howell to have more of an impact for racing in 2023? Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't think most people realize because it wasn't really talked about. I think they kept it a little more hush hush. The Howell was actually injured um, during the early part of 
last season. So when she was struggling, you know, she was actually working through some minor injuries that didn't affect her playing time, but I think definitely made the the bar even harder or higher for her to adjust into the league. So, you know, she didn't have the smoothest entry. She is the first one to say that. So I really respect her for that. Um, and, you know, racing did lean very hard on her and DeMello, as you say, as rookies right off the bat. And that's a lot of pressure on new players. And they just expected Helen DeMello to fix their midfield from the start. And, you know, honestly, looking from 2021 to 2022, even if it wasn't perfect, they did improve the midfield a lot. You know, Howell did still have a big impact as the midfield anchor um, for racing. And I think she'll only be able to grow from that. And I have been impressed, you know, the thing that mainly makes me think that she'll have more of an impact is because I have been impressed with how well she has taken the, the pressure. She's talked very openly about seeing a sports psychologist last year to help her work through this. Um, she's talked very openly of the mental and physical struggles she had, and she seems to really have the right mindset to understand that this is a process and I can move behind. She's not just getting frustrated and angry or like even resentful of DeMello for taking the spotlight. No, they're, they're great friends. They only want to support each other and work together. And so I, I think she's just poised to take, take a better step now that some of this pressure is off. And even more now that, you know, now that she's healthy, that's great. But she's, you know, all last season, she's really become a huge locker room leader. And she's been really instrumental in helping turn around racing's culture. And so she's bought in, she's you know, signed the extension to 2025. She's ready to take the next step. And in Sunday's match against Portland, their preseason uh, tournament game, you know, she was wearing the captain's armband. That's how much of a leader she's become on this team. So I definitely think it's possible that we will see Captain Captain Howell in, in the new year. And so even in that way alone, I think she's going to be impactful. But no, I, I think on the pitch and off the pitch, Howell is definitely poised to to have a market improvement over 2022. Yeah, that's exciting. I I'm really looking forward to seeing a healthy Jalen Howell. Um, she was a real fun player to watch at FSU. And, and I think um, knowing some of that backstory about the injuries and sort of how that might've taken a toll on her is, is important context for her rookie season. For sure. So thinking about racing's backline again, we're taking another step backward. Uh, you mentioned that racing will be without Emily Fox, who played a little over 1600 minutes last season. And then Gemma Bonner, who played nearly 2000 minutes last season. So, um, you know, those players will be out, but then Carson Pickett, Abby Urseg, and Paige Monahan are newcomers to the racing backline. So what do you think of those moves? And do you think that the backline will be stronger than last year? I do. And I mean, maybe I'm just endlessly positive about racing, but I mean, I do truly feel like they identified some of their, their key problem areas and, and have worked to improve them. Um, like I said, we don't know how it's going to come together, but I, I do think that we are going to see market improvement in, in all these areas. And, you know, Fox and, and Bonner are a big loss, but Fox can't do the whole, like handle the whole back line by herself, you right. know? So they needed more NWSL experience, like specifically, I truly believe along the back line and Bonner is, is wonderful, but you know, Ursig is essentially replacing her. And I think Ursig just has a much better grasp after her years in the NWSL of the physicality and the speed of the game and is much 
more able to, you know, provide a stronger center leadership piece because of that you know Bonner always struggled from the beginning to adjust to the NWSL and and what it asked especially in like a high press where you know you're expected to to be up really high and track back you know I I don't know if if Bonner was able to handle that as well as I think Ursig can and then of course you know Fox and Pickett are basically a a, a one-to-one trade they're both dynamic left backs who like to get involved in the attack and I know a lot of people argue that Fox is younger and has a bigger upside because of that. But on the flip side, you know, Pickett is a proven top defender in her prime. And like I said, racing really needs that experience. And I definitely think racing won the trade because they basically got two for one. You know, they got two solid starters that have pre-established chemistry for Emily Fox. And, you know, the real bottom line is that Fox wanted to move on. She wasn't going to stay at racing. And Pickett, on the other hand, it was just announced that she signed a three-year deal with racing and wants to be here in the long term. So, you know, not just acquiring, but locking down talent like Pickett is a really big win for the team. So, yeah, I think racing has improved defensively. I think that'll be evident in the upcoming season. I didn't mention um, Paige Monahan yet, and that's because I'm not entirely sure she's only going to be on the back line. Uh, in the preseason game against Portland, and I believe the preseason game against Washington for at least part of the game she played up on the wing um in the attack and low Malay played as right back so I, I don't know I think Monahan's going to move in and out out of the defense I have yet to you know see or really hear much about her as a defender but I I, I still think again that NWSL experience someone again who has signed through 2025 wants to be here long term that's great for racing. You know, that's how they're going to build off this. So we have yet to get to see what happens there, but I'm, I'm still excited um, by what we're going to see from all these defenders. And I think it's better, but like you said, we've been taking steps back. We started, you know, with the attack midfield and now we talked about defense. So I want to ask you what you think about racing's goalkeeping. Katie Lund last season took over from Michelle Betos and started the entire 2022 season and absolutely bailed racing out more than a few times with uh, her incredible saves. So what is your take on Lund and the impact you think she's going to have on the upcoming season with racing? Yeah. So I would love to talk about Katie Lund. She was on my shortlist for goalkeepers of the year last year, actually. And I think, I think she's criminally underrated in the league. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> I mean, in a vacuum, you might look at her numbers and think, okay, she conceded, you know, 35 goals in a season and that's a lot, which it is. Um, and I'm not arguing that, but I think that the underlying numbers sort of give a little bit of dimension to Katie Lund's game. So, you know, you're saying that she bailed out racing's defense. I completely agree. Their defense struggled a ton last year and Katie Lund faced the most shots of any starting goalkeeper by a landslide. And she yeah. only conceded a goal ev- over, um, conceded a goal every 4.4 shots on average, oh, which wow. was actually second best in the league, only behind Oil Reigns, Valentellus Joyce, who faced way fewer shots. Um, and she also faced the highest post-shot expected goals per 96 of any goalkeeper in the league per American soccer analysis. So I think if Katie Lund can put up these numbers again this year, and so she's like doing this consistently and really catching people's attention, uh, I think that you know, she'll start getting the flowers that she deserves. I think part of that might hinge on Louisville's success because if they, you know, lose games and are just letting in a lot of goals, of course, part of that 
could be chalked up to Lund. Um, so it has to, it has to be a team effort like soccer is a lot of the time, but you know, as long as, um, Katie Lund tries to put up the same numbers as she did last year, I think it will be, it will bode well for her for this year. No, I, I agree 100% with every, everything you're saying. And like the one thing as someone who's watched racing a lot that I want to see Katie Lund specifically improve in is communication with the back line. Mm-hmm. She's still, you know, young and a little hesitant to like speak out and like call things out. You know, I'm, I'm pretty much right behind the goal in a lot of games. So right behind her and towards the end of last season, you, you heard it a lot, but you know, there were some collisions and there's some close calls and, you know, some, some mistakes that really cost racing last season. I'm definitely not putting that all on her at all. Um, I think she did a marvelous job, but like the one thing that I can see her improve in because I think she did do so well is, is just, you know, if she can be a better communicator, if she can like really build a rapport with Ursig and, you know, some of the new back line, then I, I think that's going to help racing immensely also. Yeah, I think so too. Well, that is a wrap on racing. And before we get on to Angel City, we'll just take a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. And we're back and ready to discuss all things Angel City FC. So as a little reminder, last year, Angel City had their first ever year in the NWSL. And I think they were successful in a lot of ways on and off the pitch. So they broke league attendance records and they're really starting to set standards for game day experiences in the league. And to do that in their, in your very first year as a club, I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And in terms of soccer, I think honestly, their first season ranks pretty highly compared to most expansion teams barring Mm -hmm. San Diego, who we will get to in a later show, (laughs) but Angel (laughs) City finished 2022 in eighth place, but they were above the playoff line for a majority of the season's first half. Um, so they were one of the teams that were battling for the last playoffs uh, spot toward the end, although, of course, they were ultimately beaten out, but they did have a shot until the very you know last few games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were definitely one of the more exciting teams last year for all the reasons you mentioned. I'm building a fan base like that right out of the bat. And like you said, breaking attendance records all within their first year. And, you know, their immediate success is a big reason why there's been this explosion of interest in the NWSL. And that's created this bidding war between all these different ownership groups that are now looking to get franchises. So, I mean, that by itself is a massive impact on the league. But, you know, on the soccer side, on top of that, they were able to stay in the playoff race, like you said, right until the last minute. And that is a major accomplishment for an expansion team. And, you know, even though they finished eighth, I mean, they looked like they were going to be seventh. They looked like they're going to be sixth. They looked like they're going to be fifth. Like they were, they were in it. And I, I think that's one of the, the best accomplishments you can have. You know, San Diego, as you said, is kind of the fluke there. So as you say, they were able to stay above the playoff line for most of the season. Looking back over the course of 2022, what if you could name anything specifically what do you think made them fall short in the end yeah i mean to put it simply i think injuries really did them in um their injuries record started off before the season even started with sarah gordon going down with an acl injury unfortunately yeah. but then kristen pressed her acl mid-season uh they when they acquired sydney larue she was ultimately out indefinitely shortly after she was acquired so um you know those those three players are, are ones that I think of immediately, but also when I was prepping for this, 
I realized just how long Angel City's injury list was. There at any given point, I don't think there was a time when they had their full roster totally healthy. Um, oh, wow. So, you know, even barring those season ending injury players, like there were players that just had knocks. They were either out for short periods, one or two games. And I think that's really hard to, to have players go through that and not have that stability in a lineup or. Um, you know, just always having to constantly slap people in. I mean, we saw Tyler Lucy play in Angel City's back line because of injuries, right? And while she wasn't the worst, you know, outside back in the world, she's just not a natural defender. So mm-hmm. um, I think, yeah, if if I had to say it one word, I would just say injuries. <laughs> no, and I mean, you make an, an excellent argument, and especially as an expansion team, you know, it's not like they have years of playing together so people can slot in and they know each other. They're, they're learning how to play together, and they're dealing with this lack of consistency in their roster due to these injuries. And like that, like you said, that's a lot of injuries to deal with. Even in an injury-ridden season where we saw players like Marta and, you know, Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis, you know, big names go out. I mean, Kristen Press and, and Sid LaRue, they're also huge names. And and they were players, the and Sarah Gordon, I mean, I'm going to throw her out there too. You know, these are players that Angel City was, was counting on to build around. And so losing them, you know, is, is a huge deal. So is that just pure bad luck on Angel City's part, you know, to, to lose all these big players? Or do you think there's anything Angel City can do in 2023 to prevent a repeat of, you know, this, this, this inconsistent injury-ridden roster? Yeah, I think it's really hard to know for sure. Of course, injuries are unfortunately the nature of sport in some mm-hmm. way. Um, but I, I, as I was reflecting on this, I started to wonder whether head coach uh, Freya Coombs' reluctance to rotate her lineups um, had anything to do with the injury status throughout the season. So I remember in the Challenge Cup, she was really committed to, to you know this roster. She was going with it and not really making any subs during the games until late, late in the game. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's just hard to say. I think if they can get their players healthy, you know, Kristen Press has recently revealed that she's now undergone three knee surgeries in the last eight months in attempt to recover. So, you know, maybe she's not all the way there, but presumably other players like, like Sarah Gordon and Allie Riley and Simone Charlie, they all stay healthy and they're ready to be consistent options for Angel City. I think that could be really positive for them. Um, and, you know, if those players are healthy, then that means Coom can rotate more, right? So it won't be mm-hmm. this self-fulfilling prophecy of um, having players that are injured and then sort of like dwindling the bench. Um, but I think it's worth mentioning that they've retained players that accounted for 80% of their minutes from last season. So, and it's not like that was a, an unsuccessful season last year, right? So like they did some pretty okay things on the field and, and they're having a lot of players return and hopefully get those injured players back up to speed, which will be good for them this season. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep it in perspective. You know, like we talked about with racing, it's a huge deal that racing is just retaining these key players for the first time. Angel city has been able to do that from the get go. So mm-hmm. they clearly have something that they're able to build off of. And that's critical to the future success of the club. So I, I think there's a very good chance they'll be able to come back and at least replicate the success that they, they had. We'll talk about where we think they're actually going to fall you know, in the standings later, but yeah, I mean, the key to that of course is going to be how healthy they can keep everyone. And, you know, personally, Kristen press has always been my favorite player since she debuted. So I'm heartbroken over her having these multiple surgeries in this prolonged recovery period. But you know, the good news is Sarah Gordon really came back in the preseason match that was aired against Club America. And 
you know, she put on like a solid performance. She looked like she had never been injured. Like the, I, I can't even, she looks like she never had an ACL problem in her life. So that definitely is boding well for Angel City. But enough about returning players. I am interested in your take on who Angel City has added because I think a lot of fans were really expecting them to have a big off season. You know, the off season like Kansas City had, and we will talk about Kansas City later, where it's like you almost don't know what they're going to do with their roster because they have so many people. Angel City stayed quiet, and they're really going to lean on the players that they had before and who they've managed to retain. But they did make one big move to acquire the top draft pick, and they ultimately made a selection that was surprising to some people. So what is your take on that whole situation? Yeah, so they you know, made those big moves to draft high schooler Alyssa Thompson at the top spot, and... um. I'm really excited to see this player in the NWSL. I mean, by the time she was drafted, she already had two caps for the women's national team under her belt. So she made her international debut in a friendly against England at a sold out Wembley stadium. Right. So talk about making an entrance. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in her unofficial pro debut against uh, that Liga MX team, she scored a goal just minutes into the debut. And of course, there was a little bit of a defensive misstep on that play. But I think what we should really be taking away from that is Thompson's clear confidence to take players on in the attacking ter- third, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is, I think that's totally going to serve her well in this league. And I can see her being a problem for NWSL defenses. Um, I say that with a little bit of a caveat that it's hard to understand how things translate from one league to another. Um, you know, in this case, it would be from high school and major league soccer's academy MLS next to the NWSL. So, um, I, I guess we'll see if Thompson will, will find success at Angel City, but I, I have a little bit of a hunch that she will be scoring goals this season for them. No, I don't think there's any question of that. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the question with rookies and particularly maybe one as young as she is, is like how long they'll be able to sustain it throughout the season because the season is so long. And even if you're, I mean, you talk to anybody who's a rookie or who's a second year, honestly, any player in the NWSL and they all say like, you are just not prepared for the grind of the season until you're into it. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be a problem for everybody. But, you know, like you said, she looked really sharp. I think there's no question she's going to be scoring goals and making quite a few defensive lines sweat. And especially if, you know, LaRue and Press can come back and are healthy and in games. And then they also have Simone Charlie and they also acquired veteran Merritt Mathias from North Carolina Courage. So, I mean, they're loaded and rock solid offensively in my mind. And defensively, they're improved by finally having Sarah Gordon healthy and, and ready to play for them. But what about their midfield? I think that was their biggest weak spot last season in terms of their lines and they haven't really done very much with the midfield. I think a lot of people were really hoping for a big midfield signing or, or, you know, something to, you know, kind of buff them up and they haven't really done that much. So do you think this is going to be an issue for them in the coming season? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think it depends on how well these players can mesh. So I took a quick look at their midfield numbers last season and it turns out that the three players who saw the most minutes at midfield last season were Savannah McCaskill, Danny Weatherholt, and Carrie Recaro. And so Recaro was sent to Chicago for allocation money in the offseason, but that means McCaskill and Weatherholt are coming back. Mm-hmm. And Madison Hammond, who she actually played just over 300 minutes for Angel City at fullback last season, she lined up in the midfield against those two players um, in their latest friendly. So I wonder if we'll be seeing more of Hammond in the midfield this season. But 
thinking through their roster, I, I was excited to see a name from the Atlantic Coast Conference recently signed. So Mackenzie Pluck, she played five seasons at Duke University. And she played in a school record 107 games and scored 21 goals and recorded 29 assists. So last season, she was potentially overshadowed by Michelle Cooper because Michelle Cooper was just that good. Um, but she was yeah. only behind Cooper in assist uh, chances created and key passes per instat in her final year. So I think uh, Mackenzie Pluck will be a pretty solid creative option for Angel City this season if she does get on the field. I mean, I didn't see her on... The, in the lineup or, you know, as available in the friendly. And I, maybe she just picked up a knock. Um, there was no official news on that, but I'm excited to see Pluck and, and, you know, what she does in the midfield and the NWSL more broadly. Yeah. I mean, based on the stats you cited, she sounds like a really solid option, at least someone to, you know, work towards in the future and, and integrate into your midfield. And, you know, even if she's not a starter every minute this season, you know, she definitely could be working towards that next season. And I mean, frankly, you know, they don't have that much depth. She could very easily be a super sub or a starter for this team. I mean, one injury would be enough to to possibly bump her up in, into the starting 11. But one last quick question before we wrap up talking about Angel City. I, I really am interested to know where you think Angel City is going to fall in the standings this year. Because like we talked about, despite injuries, despite some things against them, they still came so close to making the playoffs. So do you think Angel City is poised to make the playoffs this year? And do you, or, or do, conversely, do you think they're going to just fall short at the very end? I think they will likely fall short. So I, in order for Angel City to make the playoffs, that means one of the six teams from last season will not, of course. And I just am not sure if I had to pick one of those teams to not make it or even think about the teams who didn't make it, could they do it instead of Angel City? I just don't, I, for me, Angel City is not a shoe in. So, um, I think if they can stay healthy and maybe figure out some midfield things and, um, score some, score some goals that they will be in the playoff race. I don't imagine that they'll, you know, be bottom dollars the whole season, but I can see them maybe just right outside that playoff line. I tend to agree. I, I think it'll be hard for all the reasons you list, but I mean, the parody in this league truly means anything is possible. You know, I don't think anybody expected the Washington spirit to have such a hard season last season. So, you know, that could, that could easily happen again for someone, you know, is Chicago going to be able to pull through angel city could have what they need just to slide over that line. But I, I still lean towards them, you know, being in the play, like, or being in the playoff run, being right on the edge. But I'm not entirely convinced until I see them get some of these players, you know, back and healthy and see how players like Pluck and um, Alyssa Thompson do when they actually, you know, like get, get onto the field and integrate and as the season goes on. But I, I think they have a good shot. I'm not convinced they'll make it, but I think they have a good shot. So we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to play this back when at the end of the regular <laughs> season and we'll see. See what... all the ways we're wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Prove me wrong, please. Um, well, that is a wrap on today's show. So thank you to everyone for listening. And thanks, Becky, for joining me to talk all things racing and Angel City. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and of course, so we'd just like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcast, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Ariana Cascone, and we'll be back with more soon on The Equalizer Podcast. 